48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Alex Price. The headlines. Lawmakers grill the Justice Secretary over the decision not to take legal action against former Chief Executive C.Y. Leung over the UGL saga. Nurses plan to protest against work conditions in overcrowded public hospitals. And European politicians react with dismay to the British Parliament's rejection of the Brexit deal. The Justice Secretary, Theresa Cheng, has faced lawmakers for the first time since her department decided against prosecuting the former Chief Executive, C.Y. Leung. Last month, authorities announced they wouldn't be taking further action over corruption allegations against Mr. Leung over an undeclared payment he received. That decision is under scrutiny, as the Department of Justice didn't seek the advice of an independent counsel before coming to the decision. Ms. Cheng says seeking outside counsel's advice isn't usual practice or needed. She stressed prosecution decisions are independent. The person who's making the prosecutorial decision is not to be affected by what position of the particular um, suspect, uh, the circumstances that might arise as a result of the prosecutorial decisions, whether it be political or whether it be a matter of the media viewing the circumstances or the general public. The Association of Hong Kong Nursing Staff is planning a rally on Sunday to draw attention to the problems its members suffer in overcrowded hospitals. The association's chairman, Joseph Lee, said nurses are exploited and enslaved as occupancy rates at almost all public hospitals exceed 100% during the winter flu season. He said the government should allocate more resources to hire part-time and retired nurses. Every winter search, there's a lot of patients uh, rushing to the hospitals uh, and what the flu and the accident emergency department of for patients. Unfortunately, well, the government every year trying to make use of nurses, moral obligations and taking care of the patients. They try to save the nurses continuously without acting extra resources, especially in terms of manpower. Almost 100 demonstrators, including politicians, social workers and the elderly, have rallied outside government headquarters in protest at the plan to raise the age for elderly welfare payments from 60 to 65. They accused the administration of depriving older people of their basic rights. The chairman of the League of Social Democrats, Avery Ng, was among those protesting. The government should stop immediately the current plan to adjust the age limit as well as the the cutting of the uh, social welfare. As we all know, Hong Kong is experiencing a large wealth gap and the elderly people, uh, 30% of them are living in poverty. It is extremely unfair to the elderly, especially for those who are underpaid as well as experiencing hardship. First of all, the government should stop the plan. And secondly, and most importantly, the government should introduce universal pension. Labour Party lawmaker Fernando Jung was also present. He said he's confident that a motion will be passed in LegCo this afternoon, urging the government to suspend the change. Mr Jung inserted the motion as an amendment to a wider motion raised by social welfare constituency lawmaker Xu Ka-chun, calling for the government to review the entire CSSA system.
It's certainly encouraging to see the pro-establishment camp legislators are joining forces with us to protest against the uh, cutback in CSSA for the elderly. I am confident that today's motion, including Mr. Siu Gaojun's motion and my amendment to his motion requesting the government to um, suspend the cutback, would pass today. However, the motion itself is non-legally binding, and therefore the government can pretty much ignore it. The coroner's court has recommended that the organiser of the Standard Chartered Marathon improve its guidelines on reminding participants of the health risks involved with the event. It made the suggestion following an inquiry into the death of Ng Chuk Yu almost four years ago. The 24-year-old died a day after collapsing near the finishing line of the 10-kilometre race at Victoria Park. A Pentagon assessment says China is on the cusp of fielding some of the world's most advanced weapon systems and, in some cases, has already surpassed its rivals. An unclassified report says the enormous military strides are partly due to China's laws forcing foreign partners to divulge technical secrets in exchange for access to its huge market. The report said China is now at the leading edge on a range of technologies, including with naval design, medium and intermediate range missiles and hypersonic weapons. A charity that monitors religious persecution says violence and discrimination against Christians has increased over the past year, especially in China. In its annual report, Open Doors estimates that 245 million Christians worldwide have endured high levels of prejudice. North Korea and Afghanistan were deemed the worst affected, but it estimated that a fifth of China's 100 million Christians were persecuted last year. British MPs have inflicted a crushing defeat on Theresa May's government over its Brexit deal, throwing the process of the country's planned departure from the European Union into doubt. MPs rejected the agreement for a variety of conflicting reasons. Mrs May said the vote told her nothing about how or even if Parliament intended to honour the result of the 2016 referendum. Every day that passes without this issue being resolved means more uncertainty, more bitterness and more rancour. The government have heard, has heard what the House has said tonight. But I ask members on all sides of the House to listen to the British people who want this issue settled and to work with the government to do just that. Following the vote, the leader of the main opposition Labour Party, Jeremy Corbyn, swiftly tabled a motion of no confidence in Theresa May's government, which will be debated the next day. I'm pleased that motion will be debated tomorrow so this House can give its verdict on the sheer incompetence of this government and pass that motion of no confidence in the government. With Britain scheduled to leave the EU in just over 10 weeks, Scotland's First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon, has appealed to Mrs May to suspend the Brexit process and hold another referendum. Mrs May said she'll come up with an alternative plan by Monday. And European politicians have reacted with dismay to the Parliament's rejection of the Brexit deal. The French President Emmanuel Macron said Britain would be the biggest loser if it left without an agreement and that the EU had gone as far as it could with the current deal. The President of the European Council, Donald Tusk, appeared to be implying that Britain should seriously consider staying in the Union. The EU's chief Brexit negotiator, Michel Barnier, said it was up to the British to decide what happens next. Now it's time for the UK to, to tell us the next steps. And on our side, 
we will remain united and determined to reach a deal. President Trump's nominee to be the next U.S. Attorney General, William Barr, says nobody, including the president, will bully him in his new post. He told senators the U.S. inquiry into possible Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election should be allowed to continue. Here's the BBC's Peter Bowes. William Barr was chosen by Donald Trump to replace Jeff Sessions, who was fired by the president in November. During his confirmation hearing, Democrats sought assurances that Mr Barr could stand up to Mr Trump. He said he wouldn't be bullied into doing anything he thought was wrong by anybody, whether it be editorial boards or Congress or the president. He told senators he was no Trump loyalist and that the special counsel Robert Mueller must be allowed to complete his inquiry into alleged collusion between the Trump election campaign and Russia. A witness in the trial of Joaquin El Chapo Guzman in New York says the drug lord gave a former Mexican president a bribe of 100 million US dollars. The witness alleged the money had been delivered to President Enrique Peña Nieto through an intermediary. Mr Peña Nieto said the claim is completely false. The BBC's Nadia Torfik reports. Alex Cifuentes was a Colombian trafficker and personal aide to El Chapo Guzman for years. Over the past several days, he has been giving evidence on how Guzman ran his business. But on Tuesday, while under cross-examination by one of Guzman's lawyers, he made a stunning claim that the kingpin paid a $100 million bribe to the former Mexican president Enrique Peña Nieto. He alleged that the money was delivered to Mr. Peña Nieto through an intermediary. Other witnesses at trial have testified about cartel payments made to Mexican police and officials. But this is the first time that any witness has suggested corruption at the highest level of government. President Trump says the departure of another caravan of Central American migrants from Honduras is evidence of the United States' need for a wall on its border with Mexico. Only such protection, he tweeted, could keep the US safe. About 2,000 Hondurans have set off, with many saying they're fleeing gang violence, no jobs and low wages. Here's the BBC's Will Grant. In scenes reminiscent of the caravan which became a major issue in last year's US midterm elections, hundreds of Hondurans gathered in the rain in the main bus terminal in San Pedro Sula to begin the walk towards the border. Again, it was organised by a combination of Facebook posts from pro-migrant rights groups and word of mouth. Everyone would have seen the success with which the previous caravan at least reached the US border largely unharmed, and may well see this collective method of travel as safer. What lies ahead, though, is extremely arduous. Thousands of kilometres across Central America and Mexico, and those who make it to the border can expect a hostile reception from the Trump administration. Finance news now, and official data shows that home prices on the mainland remained buoyant in December, as large cities rebounded despite tough government curbs to cool prices, a sign that Beijing's recent efforts to support its slowing economy may be putting a floor on the real estate market. Government data showed that prices in Guangzhou saw the biggest gain out of 70 cities, surging 3% month on month. Price growth in other top-tier cities such as Beijing, Shanghai and Shenzhen was also robust, while smaller cities posted a monthly gain of 0.7%. 
The Agriculture Ministry says pork prices are likely to rise in the second half of this year, but it won't see major volatility before the Lunar Year holiday beginning early next month. It said African swine fever in the country had so far had a limited effect on prices. Low pork prices in some parts of the country have led to liquidation by small farmers and slow restocking. Currencies and the US dollar is trading at 108.51 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar 14 cents and the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 8 cents. And a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index stood at 26,775, 55 points down on the previous close. Turnover was $49 billion. Now, with a look at the latest sports, here's Adam Jung. Let's start with an update on the Australian Open tennis. Roger Federer is playing Dan Evans in the second round. Rafael Nadal and Maria Sharapova are amongst the big names to take the court later. Sloane Stephens is the early winner today. She beat her former doubles partner Timea Babos to reach the third round. Novak Djokovic is preparing to face Joe Wilfred Tsonga in the second round tomorrow. It's a rematch of the 2008 final when Djokovic beat the Frenchman to claim the first of his 14 Grand Slam titles. Djokovic says he's happy to have regained full health after spending most of 2018 recovering from elbow problems. Turbulent. <laughs> it's a lot of ups and downs uh, in terms of tennis. Um, I had a... Uh, yeah... Um, I had this major injury with an elbow that I was carrying for uh, over two years. Uh, I think at the early stages I didn't address it in the right way and uh, unfortunately got, it has gotten worse and uh, I had to get on a surgery table last February, uh, actually right after Australian Open last year. And it took me several months really to recover, to, to regain the confidence and I guess comfort level on the, on the court and uh, last six months have been... Uh, terrific. I'm very grateful to, uh, to experience this kind of journey. Let's also hear from Diana Yastremska. The 18-year-old recorded her first main draw victory in the Grand Slam event. The Ukrainian made headlines in Hong Kong last October when she won the tournament at Victoria Park for her first WTA title. Now she's the youngest-ranked teenager on the tour. She spoke after knocking off Sam Stoser in straight sets. Firstly, I'm so excited, like this day will stay forever in my memory, forever, and uh, I'm just, thank you for everybody for coming and cheering for us, it's been a great experience for me playing here, and it was awesome here, really, I appreciate it a lot, you've been coming, and thank you so much. To football's Asian Cup, where the defending champions Australia have made it into the last 16 after a thrilling victory over Syria. Tom Rogic scored in injury time to give Australia a 3-2 win after they blew the lead twice. Australia qualified behind group winners Jordan. Third place Palestine still have a chance of progressing if other results go their way. They drew 0-0 with Jordan to end the group. China and South Korea face each other tonight with first place in Group C at stake. Kyrgyzstan and Philippines will contest for third place. Newcastle needed extra time to beat second-tier Blackburn Rovers 4-2 in their third-round FA Cup replay. Third-tier Shrewsbury scored three times in the last 20 minutes as they came from behind to beat second-tier Stoke 3-2. Sheffield Wednesday beat Luton 1-0 and will play the title holders Chelsea. And that's your look at sports. And that's the news from RTHK. Yeah, yeah! 